0: Thanks for joining us today on the Centerpoint podcast coming from the Loft on Main in Danville, Kentucky. For more information, check us out at centerpointdanville.com.
1: I'm the founder of a website and a ministry called xxxchurch.com, and I'm excited that your church is going to tackle this issue of pornography. It shouldn't be the elephant in the pew, but so many churches are scared to address this topic. Not here. We're going to talk about this. I'm going to be sharing with you some resources, some helps, right from the Bible on how we can talk and navigate the issues of pornography and sexuality. This is a big deal. Don't think it. It doesn't affect people right here in your church, it does, and it starts early, and it's not just the men, About a third of women sitting in church are dealing with this. So come out, I'm excited to share with you and offer you some hope when it comes to tackling this issue.
0: And so today, before we even get started, let's pray. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to flood us in, open our hearts, so we can receive what He has to offer. So Jesus says, we deal with a touchy subject. Man, I'm just asking you to be with us. We're going to address some facts, and some of the facts are so true that it's going to literally expose the elephant in the room. And so God, be with us, because we know that there's people in this room that are dealing with it. And so I'm just asking for favor, that your Holy Spirit flood them and allow them to feel the freedom that comes when we fix our eyes on you. Jesus, that's my prayer. And in your name, amen. You know, I thought one of the best ways we could do this is to literally just expose some truth. And so to expose some truth, I just want to deal with some facts. And so did you know that when you type in the word porn on the internet, which I highly recommend not to do, but if, if you do do that, over 2.700 billion hits come up in less than 0. 0.3 seconds. Now, y'all, that's quick. That's really, really quick. Like you can type in another word, any other word you want to choose, and usually it's, it's, it's about 0.8 seconds to 1.5 seconds. But to get it in in 2.70 billion in less than 0.3 seconds, that's fast. That means the Internet's flooded with it. That means that literally it's, it's, it's almost a second faster than any other word you type in on the Internet because it's said about half the Internet is being used for pornography sharing. So you can't run from it. Because it's in every little click-up ad there is on the internet. Every little Facebook post there is, there's a little small, small screen, check out singles here. I'm just being truthful. It's there. I'm not, I'm not exposing something you probably don't already know. 2.5 billion emails, 2.5 billion emails a day are porn. Now, you got to put that in context. Out of all the emails that are sent around the world, 2.5 billion are porn. There's only 7.1 billion people on the planet. Come on. You know, we're almost halfway there, and that is almost 10% of the emails that are sent every single day. In 2016, the human race watched a grand total of 92 billion videos in porn. That is 4.6 billion hours of porn watched, or 191 million days. Come on, y'all. If you are like math, I'm a math guy, or 5 1,246 centuries worth of time invested into porn. Guys, ladies, there's an issue here. In 2007, porn went from a multi-million dollar device because of one instrument. It went from a multi-million dollar industry to a multi-billion dollar industry because of one small device. And that device was the iPhone instantaneously overnight it became accessible to everybody because of a little small object the porn industry also makes more money and this one's kind of mind-boggling to me but it is the truth the porn industry makes more money than the national football league the national basketball league and the major league baseball league combined and you want to tack it and gets more money in there it is more money than those three together, and you add NBC, CBS, and ABC combined, and it still ain't touching porn. Guys, that's a lot of money. Every second, over $3,000 are being spent on porn. $3,000. $3,000. You with me? At any second of the day, there are as many as 30,000 some odd people visiting or viewing porn. Every second. I mean, right there, right there, every second. That's crazy to begin to think. The lowest day of of, of the year that people actually view porn, thank God for this day, Thanksgiving. I don't know why, maybe you're too full and you just don't, you go to sleep. I, I think every day should be Thanksgiving from here on out then. I'm just saying. I got some people who would love to cook for you. The highest day to view porn, however, even though that's funny, Sunday. There are over sixty-eight million daily searches for pornography in the United States alone. That's about 25% of all daily searches. In fact, every 39 minutes, a new porn film is created in the United States alone. That's just the United States. I did find it interesting in some of the facts and looking at some checkers. Now, Iceland is an interesting country of its own. I've never been there, but after you get to know some of the things that they deal with, they've said enough's enough. And right now, in in their government, they're trying to ban porn because they know the destructive nature that it's having on their children. And so they're saying it's enough, enough as a country. That's pretty impressive, by the way. But on the flip side, we have some people around the world that are causing some problems right now. And maybe you know of them. Maybe the government called North Korea... Maybe you've seen it in the news. Check this out. We might not think they're that crazy after all, after you hear this fact. If you get caught viewing porn in North Korea, it is prosecutable by death. Now, then as crazy as we think they are some ways, maybe they're not that crazy because they know the destructive patterns that it can create inside their families. Guys, there's something wrong here. And in South Korea, the the country right below them, the only way you're allowed to view porn is if you type in your equivalent to your social security, so they can track you, because they know how addictive it is. Kind of crazy, huh? Got your attention yet? One out of every three women are viewing it, so just look down the aisle. Go ahead. One of you doing it? It's just the truth. No one's exempt. Come on, women. I'm just being real. And men are laughing, but hey, seventy percent of you guys are guilty. It's just the truth. And it's and it said that over 80% of 18 year olds, 24 year olds are viewing it monthly, and you're addicted. You're caught. It's got you. Daily, over 30 million people uh, are finding porn websites. And who are these people? Who are them? Who are struggling with this addiction called porn, pornography? It's women, it's men, it's kids, it's coaches, it's teachers. It's the person in front of you, it's the person beside you, and it's even pastors. It's even pastors. A recent study revealed that over 20% of youth pastors are struggling with porn. 12% of pastors are addicted to porn. The number one viewed channel when pastors gather together at big major conferences? Porn. Who's addicted? people and it affects everybody all these stats around the world is why we are addressing this and it's happening in our lives of our friends down the rows here in the loft it's happening in our next door house it's happening maybe in our home it's happening in our grandma's home we don't even know it because it's too accessible by devices do you really want to know who's doing it Are are we going to truly have a spiritual conversation this morning about this touchy subject? Because it doesn't really matter who's doing it. What I found out, everybody is caught in it. Everybody, whether you want to admit it or not, you know, God really, Jesus himself says, whether you physically act it out or you think about it with here or here, you're just as guilty. Now that just covers this about everybody. Can we have a conversation now? If we're just really real? you see porn because of its addictive nature in order to just feel some sense of normality an individual usually needs an ever increased dosage so you start here and then the next time you go there and next time you go there uh, the material they seek also evolves over time over time their appetite pushes forward them to more hardcore versions of porn. And eventually, to just to achieve that level of satisfaction, they go places they never thought they would. You see the neurons in our brain, they fire together, uh, and they, they're, they're wired together, and our brain is working overtime, and it's stimulated when we view it. Just like other addictive substances, such as drugs and everything, porn floods the brain with Dopamine. That rush of brain chemical happening over and over again rewires the, the brain's reward pathway. And ultimately, it changes the makeup of who the viewer's brain looks like. This can, can result in an increased appetite for porn, and we don't even realize it. Porn does not discriminate, and it takes you farther than you want to go in places where you never thought you would end up. And it's growing. It continues to grow and it hasn't let up ever since adam and eve messed up they messed up they allowed sin to creep in and ever since then simply cause a sinful nature heart it's caused thousands and thousands of people to trip up whether you want to believe that or not it's attacking you right now because some people can't get that image out of their brain you see i remember as a child being protected, I had family, and they protected me well. But when I went to college, it was a little different story. You know, you're exposed to a lot of stuff. And I remember one of the images that I never have, and I've shared this before, so it's not something maybe you haven't heard. But I remember walking into a dorm and a bunch of guys around the TV, and they're all, you know, hooping and hollering. And I remember walking in that room, and I remember physically viewing something that my brain still today can't get out. It's an imagery that you physically look at and you're just like, that's not good. But just because I just wanted to hang out with the guys, I stayed in there a little bit longer than I should. And it affected me. And it didn't cause me to trip up and go seeking out it, but it, it burned an image in my brain that I'll never will forget. See, growing up, just in the past 20 years, you had to work to find porn. 20 years ago, you had to work at it, right? You saw something you could just access anywhere. Porn was only in bookstores, certain gas stations sold it, or maybe you had a secret stash under your pillow or bed, Or maybe you had your uncle that had a secret stash somewhere. You had to work to find it. Today, kids everywhere, kids everywhere, have to work not to find it, because it finds them. It literally seeks them out, even in Minecraft rooms, y'all. It is there, it is attacking them one-on-one. We have to protect my son simply because he clicks on a room and he doesn't know the room he's going into and people are there seducing him to expose him to stuff that we're not ready to expose him. And that's how it starts, curiosity. It floods every inch of our lifestyles and our culture and if you're still in denial right now, if you still got your bumpers up, you truly are not looking around or you have turned a blind eye or you're justifying it it's one of the three and so what we want to do is address this mess That if you're struggling, or your family is struggling, or someone in your extended family is struggling, I just want to let you know you're not alone. And for the next couple of weeks, we want to give some space, some time uh, to have an open conversation, to put the Bible into practice, and allow the Holy Spirit, Lord willing, to break free some of those addictions that maybe you're held hostage by an elephant in the room. And also for those, I wanted to lean into here to this one because I know this is a sensitive part. For those who have have been hurt, such as a spouse or a family member, because your husband or your wife or maybe daughter or son is involved, we want to let you know that it's not your fault. It's not your fault. And you need to remember you're a child of the one true king. You're a daughter or a son. You are beautiful. And just because this has attacked them, don't. Ever forget this. Don't forget this. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's trying his best. He's trying his best. And we just want to love on you as well and to pray with you and allow God just to exalt this huge addiction. And so, for today, how do we get through this? How do we get through this? For those who are struggling, have you ever asked the simple question if you're struggling with this? Lord, why do I look at porn? Lord, why do I look at porn? Why is my marriage broken? Why do I pursue my phone or my computer versus choosing to pursue my wife or my spouse? What are you trying to satisfy inwardly with an image on a book or a screen that will honestly never be fulfilling? And I believe we can start with some wisdom from the Apostle Paul who had a life-changing moment with Jesus Christ. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 7, verse 18 and following. And he basically is describing, I need something more, but I keep on doing it. I want to go a different place, but I just keep on doing it. And he says this in chapter 7, verse 18. If you got your word, grab it. If you don't, it's on the screen behind me. It says this in 18, Romans chapter 7. It says, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature, meaning he's confessing it out front here. He's saying, I'm just I'm I'm being pulled away from God always, for I have the desire to do what's good. So He wants to do right, right, but I cannot carry it out sometimes because of me. I'm getting in the way, for I do not do the good I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Feel like I'm talking to yourself, or maybe I'm talking to me. Now, if, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's the sin living in me that does it. Paul calls the ace the ace. He's like, I don't want to do it no more, but I do it because I, it's the sin living inside me, and I'm wanting to get rid of it, but I just, it, it, I just keep on doing it, and I don't know why. And so he gets to a place, verse 21, he says, so i I find this law at work within me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, meaning he is surrounding us with imagery. He is surrounding us everywhere. You can't walk in the mall and not see a Victoria's Secret model and sit there and go this way. It's like this old phrase that I've used before. You know, if you've ever been kayaking or rollerblading or skateboarding or or anything, even bicycling, you cannot turn your eye this way and look at something and keep going straight. It's impossible. Where your eyes go, you go. Because if you turn and look at Victoria's Secret, which she ain't got much of a secret, if you turn that way, your eyes begin to wonder. Your mind begins to wonder. And the truth of the matter is, that imagery is probably totally fake. It's been worked on hours just to make it look a certain way. To draw your eyes in to something. Same thing. And so here's this thing inside him evil is right there within me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. Verse 23 but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. I love what he says. He says what he is. He says, verse 24, what a wretched man, meaning he's just unworthy. What a wretched man I am. Who will receive me from this body that is subject to death? And I love it because he knows the truth. And he presents the truth for you and I this morning. He presents thanks be to who? Come on now. Thanks be to who delivers me through this. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself, in my mind, I am a slave to God's law. But in my sinful nature, I am a slave to the law of sin. You see, today, many of you still think, why do I keep doing this? Why does my husband keep on doing this? Why do they keep on asking for pictures or pics, visiting those sites, those dirty little secrets? Maybe no one knows. It's your little secret, and you've been keeping it to yourself, and no one knows. You may be able to fool us, but you can't fool the law of God. He knows. He sees everything, and he knows everything. And I will know this. This sin that separates from God the sin that separates us from God, that when we think it does not hurt anybody by just one more click or one more purchase of a book, just by clicking on it, those sites actually represent someone who might be enslaved to human trafficking just because we had a little dirty secret. You're actually promoting slavery when you click and you think it's not hurting anybody. It's just my little dirty sin. It's someone's daughter, y'all. It's a sinful nature of those sights and pictures and imagery that actually change us from the inside out because of sinful nature. Because we fix our eyes on something other else than Jesus Christ. And so why do you keep on doing it? Have you ever asked Jesus that? Why do you keep on doing it? I think because of this. I think it's personal. I think it's personal. It, it, it's a fixation inside you personally that changes you, and you start to justify it. I think the dopamine that it was released, we start to cover it up, and, and until we get caught, we usually don't change, right? We sort of hide it, and we, we justify it. It's just one image. It's, it's just this. It's just that. And now I can just say one, one image One image changed everything for a man after God's own heart. One image changed everything for one man, and his name was King David. Maybe you know of him in the Bible. The the guy that literally took a stone, one, and and literally slayed a Goliath, a giant, in the day and time, and eventually became a king. Just because one man sought after God, even this man could not fall. Right? No, wait a minute, he did. Because he he fell into temptation of lust and imagery. And so I'm going to bring you up to speed in a little bit of a commentary here on the Bible. And it's found in 2 Samuel verse 11. i encourage you to write it down because this is a huge passage. And we're just going to basically skip around this passage. But it says one evening. In 2 Samuel verse 11. It says one evening. David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. Now, first of all, I, I, I saw this and, and I thought to myself, man, isn't that true? One evening in the middle of the night, right? That's when a lot of darkness sort of floods in and we just need to be around the light. If we don't allow darkness to fall on us, I'm telling you, light can triumph every single square footage. And so in the middle of the night, here's a dude waking up, and he walks around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. So essentially, this guy is a soldier in the army. And then David sent a, a messengers to get her. And she came to him, and, and he slept with her because he could not physically get this imagery out of his brain. He couldn't get the lustful thoughts out because he, he literally wanted more. The desires of his, his it's personal, right? It, it, it just takes us further than we thought. And the next thing you know, he's sleeping with her. He creates tension in the, in the palace, He thinks he's got a a pretty good secret, but all the Roman guards know. I mean, it's not Romans, but everybody there knows. Every every guard knows. Even even the women there know. They know what's going on. And then it says this. It says, now she was purifying herself from the monthly uncleanness. Then she went back home. In verse 5, it says, the woman conceived and sent word to David saying the three big words. I am pregnant. He didn't want to go there. He just wanted to have a one-night stand. He, the imagery took him to a place. Now he's got to figure out what to do with it. And now David tries to fix this and cover this up, his little dirty secret. It took him places that he never thought he would go, being a child after God, you know, being after God's own heart. One image caused him to lust, get a person pregnant, keep secrets in the palace, started to lie to cover it up. It actually killed somebody. It actually caused a death that was very personable. And now we see, if we skip down a little bit in verse 27, what happens? He tries to make himself look good, and, and, and literally, uh, he, he, he brings home uh, Uriah, the husband, and says, you got to sleep with her, you got to sleep with her. You, you, and he keeps on, and, but he never does, and he goes back to battle. Finally, David says, wait a minute, I have an idea. Instead of doing that, I'm just going to send him to war, and I'm going to put him on the front lines, and I'm going to have him executed. Matter of fact, when everybody starts to flood in, you guys pull away from Uriah and all the people that surround him, and that's what took place. He didn't think he would ever do that, not to his own soldiers. He killed somebody simply because he got caught up in a lie, in a secret, a dirty little secret. And so it says this in verse 27, after the time of mourning was over, after the, the situation that took place and they found out that Uriah was dead and Bathsheba was told he's dead, after the time of mourning was over, David had her brought to his house. Now he's going to be the good guy, right? David's going to be like, oh, I, I love you. Thank you. And may and try to make the, the kingdom look good. Try to cover up his tracks. He's bringing in Bathsheba. I'm going to take care of it. But everybody knew. The whispers already started to happen. David had brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing David had done displeased the Lord. This one action of lust, this one action of unfaithfulness, this one action caused literally a chain reaction. And now it's displeasing the Lord. Now, what David did was a sinful nature that separated him from God and set him out and just literally called it back, got called out. And Then, just like God always does, he sends a good friend to tell the truth. And when he does tell a story, a story of truthfulness, the story actually reveals to David to eventually confess. And so David's like, you know, whoever that man is in that story needs to be condemned. They need to die. And finally, Nathan says, you know, hey, David, that's you. And David just goes bonkers, man. He has it out with Nathan, but all of a sudden he realizes he, the only way out of this, out of this moment that displeasing the Lord is to confess. To confess it and ask for forgiveness. And in 2 Samuel verse 12, verse 13, it says this. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Now this does not change what happened. But what it does do, it changes David's heart, and it creates a turning point. I want to say that again. It creates a turning point in his life because he did one thing. He surrounded himself with godly people, and they fixed their eyes on God. And from that moment on, you see something take place. They, they were able to bore another son, to, to birth another son, and that and, and that guy's Solomon. And we know that, and it changes the culture, and it really changes a lot of things. And here, here, just because of one person's action, it changes the culture. Because he confessed it, and he got serious, he fixed his eyes on Jesus. And so I'm going to fast forward again, go back to the New Testament, Hebrews. There's a passage and a verse that literally before we get to this next moment of what we're going to talk about today, and I think it could be you today, I think it could become the game changer in Hebrews 12, verse 1, we don't really know the author of Hebrews, but Hebrews, it's, it's said to be written by a couple of people, and it could be written by one, we don't know, but there's some wisdom here. In, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, meaning you've got to be around family who get it, you've got to be around people who understand none of us are perfect and we're all in it together, and sin is attacking us, Right? We need to be surrounded with a bunch of great cloud of witnesses, people who are following Jesus. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. Meaning they already know that it's going to be tripping us up. Meaning they know that it's going to cause you some pain and hurt in your life. It's saying literally, physically, strip it off. Get rid of it. Don't be pinned down by the 500-pound elephant in the room. And let us run with perseverance. The race that's marked out for us because Jesus wants us to stay right here. He wants us to stay fixed on him. Not turning and look at those other things. Not being distracted and veering off. Stay in the course. Long obedience in the same direction. Being focused. And in verse 2 it says this, fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of our faith. Some versions say the pioneer It says, for the joy that set before him endured the cross, scoring its shame, and sat down on the right hand of God, the throne of God. Guys, he's already bore this for us. He's already taken on this. We just got to fix our eyes on him. A lot of you think you can't get away from it because you keep on doing it. I'm telling you, you can. It's just you're not looking to the author and perfecter of your faith. You're making it personal, and you think you got it. You can control it. You can just keep it in this little tight secret box. I'm telling you, you can't. If it can get to David, it can get to you. It can kill you. It can kill your marriages. It can kill your family. And it can trip up your children. Because eventually they'll look. They'll No one to talk about it. Then no one wants to talk about that ugly pink elephant. But I'm telling you, eventually you will. When you find yourself in a place that you never thought you would be. And then what are you going to do? You're going to sit there, and you're probably going to weep. You're going to cry, and I'll be right there with you, and that's fine. The truth of the matter is, man, Jesus is already right here, and he just wants you to turn your eyes upon him. You see, that sinful nature that so easily entangles us is porn for us today. It's everywhere. It's surrounding us. And the only way out is to fix our eyes on Jesus because it's personable. It's very personal. Jesus' love wants you and wants a better life for you, and he doesn't want you involved in this addiction. And the one that frees you from this, the sinful destruction, is one person and one person only, but you just got to step into the light. You got to step into Jesus. And one of the facts that I did find out and I did not share earlier is this fact that a survey said that when people are viewing porn and they're going down that road, that the things that they look at mostly are not the body parts and the actions. They're actually viewing their face. They're looking into their eyes. They're looking to gain an intimate connection with an inanimate object. They're trying to connect. Physically. And it's never going to work because it's not personable. And what I know about Jesus, he's trying to connect to you right now. He's trying to connect with all of us, no matter what the addiction is. We just got to fix our eyes on him and trust and watch what happens. He'll set you free. And some of you are struggling with it even right now. And you're like, I, I don't know if I can, I, I don't know what I can do. I, I, I don't want to touch this one. And, you're, just like, and you're, you're throwing up all the excuses. And you're like, man, honestly, it's like that moment, you know, right before the roller coaster goes over the hill, your butt cheeks are really <laughs> squishing right now. Because you know this is personable. If you're needing help, we're going to talk about this, and we're going to have some time and prayer in a minute, but we're going to have some testimonies right now. But I just want you to, those who are taking notes, I, I, I just want you to write this down. There's a website that we have connected to, and it's Craig Gross's website. And, and, and maybe you just need to write this down and memorize it. It's, it's really easy to remember, but there's, it's this help at triplexchurch.com. Help at triplexchurch.com. And you just email them. You can just type it in right now if you want to. Maybe you can just act like you're doing something else. Maybe you're surfing Facebook. whatnot. type it in? Send it to yourself. I don't care. However you do it. But if you're needing help, help at triplexchurch.com. And, and they're going to help you. They're going to give you some tools. And they're going to be there. And they're going to contact you. They're going to reach out to you if you want to fix your eyes on Jesus. I say that if. We're going to watch a short video. And I'm going to show you what happens when you focus on Jesus, the author and Perfector of your faith. some change life stories. Watch this video.
1: Men, women, singles, wives, husbands, even our kids. Not all of us struggle with porn, but every single one of us is vulnerable. If you're not struggling with porn, what keeps it from becoming a problem for you? What keeps you accountable? What are your safeguards? And how are you helping others? Ask yourself, how can I help my brothers and sisters in Christ? Help them stay accountable. Be a friend to them in a safe, confidential way. Make sure you make yourself approachable. Start a conversation at your next men's or women's Bible study. Set up accountability partners and make sure that you're lending a loving ear to those around you. And if you do struggle with porn, think about who you're affecting. This is not a victimless crime. Think about the men and women that have been trafficked because of the porn industry. And think about who you're affecting in your own personal life. Your husband, your wife, your kids. Most importantly, God. It's time to do something about it. If you don't know where to start, start a conversation. Go to a brother or sister in Christ and tell them you're struggling. And after that, let God lead the way. Whether or not you're struggling, you need to be praying. Sexual immorality has a chokehold on the church. And we need to start to end it. If you're struggling, tell someone, or be there for someone who is. Be honest with yourself, your family, your friends, and most importantly, to God.
0: One of the most powerful things that we can do is to share stories, and to be able to at least have personal testimonies that literally can change lives, that can change lives. And I just want to thank these two people that, um, have basically said, you know what? Um, I, I want to talk about this. I want to be exposed to this. I want to expose the, the truth. I want to step into the light and, and allow my story to affect other people's stories. And, and so, um, this, this is Gary and this is Lauren. And I just want to say thank you for being vulnerable enough today to have a spiritual conversation up here on stage with us. And and we'll just allow the Holy Spirit to, to move some other people. And so, um, I, we talked about some questions and we talked about some of those things that, that allowed us to, to have a spiritual conversation, but in what ways has culture affected you in, in, in regards to pornography? What, in what ways has culture affected you in regards to porn?
2: Um, in it, it always being around me, the reality was is it was acceptable. When I would talk to men um, about images and acts and what have you, um, I was reminded of a, um, of a situation when I was working on a farm back in high school where um, we were baling hay and the owner of the farm and I were on the wagon and there was a bull out in the field doing what he was supposed to be doing. And the owner of the farm looked at me and he said, Chide, he said, men are no different than that bull. This is what God made us to do. Um, he didn't mean it that way. But for a young man my age, that was the beginning of me realizing and appreciating that, you know, sex was a natural part um, in looking at that act and the way it was and how it was,
3: was okay.
0: Lauren, I'll throw that to you as well. In-, in what ways has culture affected you in regards to porn?
3: Um, so women aren't seen as being the ones who look at porn. Um, it's more, I guess, culturally accepted that men do. So when women do, it's seen as dirty and shameful. And um, I guess, I mean, as Jay's naughty said, like one in three women look at porn. It's a thing, it happens. And um, when we're in, you know, in culture, in school, or whatever, and if you're struggling with that, and then your friends are saying, oh, the guys do it, it's fine, it's just how it happens that makes you feel even worse, that women, you know, we're we're supposed to feel ashamed for doing that when it's acceptable for men to do that. Um, So it just adds another layer of us feeling already ashamed within ourselves that we're doing this, but shame from other people because women aren't supposed to.
0: This This is a tough question to answer sometimes, but when did it become a problem, Gary, and how did you know it was a problem?
2: Um, I, I've got to tell you, Jason, I knew it all along it was a problem. I knew it was dirty. Um, I knew it was wrong. Um, I'm an ordained deacon in the church, I'm a Sunday school teacher. Um, but I would get up early in the morning and view this. Um, I always knew it was wrong. Um, but I always put it back as being something God, I know you love me. You know, I, I believe. If I had died four years ago, I'd go to heaven. Didn't know him very well. But the reality was, I always knew down deep, it was affecting my marriage, it was affecting my family, it was affecting my my friends, it was affecting my church. Um, As an ordained deacon, as a Sunday school teacher. But I hadn't been caught. I had not done anything worse than what I was doing in my living room, and all I had to do was turn on the news and watch people that were far worse than me. And I thought I could keep my sin in the living room.
0: Lauren, you want to tackle that one as well? When did it become a problem? How did you know it was a problem?
3: So I started looking at porn when I was in the fourth grade. I was ten years old. Um, Back then it was curiosity. realizing you know you're growing up and having those those like sexual things that you know obviously puberty and things change but it was curiosity and um it was only until middle and like early high school that I started looking at porn to feel something um my parents were getting divorced high school middle school were really hard for me and I used that as a way to feel something um Yeah, it was, it was just, it was really rough, but turning to that was one way for me to forget about everything else that was happening and for just a little while, just feel like everything was okay because I was feeling something. I wasn't numb, I wasn't sad. Um, And only after I found Jesus, did I realize this was a problem that I was turning to something other than him to make me feel something. that doesn 't mean it makes it easier once you find Jesus, I think it makes it harder because you're faced with having to take the hard step to to work through this with jesus you're not you know it's not easy um, but it's definitely worth it
0: and it keeps on i mean it it'll rare its ugly head because it's it 's satan it 's the simple nature that attacks and so thank you for being open and honest about that uh, this is a This is a really good question i 'm going to ask you both. How long did it take you to be, or to become a problem? How long did it take to become a problem? And where you recognized it?
2: God had brought me to the point where He had given me a hunger and a thirst for the Word, but the Word didn't mean anything. Dicky, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in Parable to Celebrate Recovery. Um, I didn't understand the Word. I'd spend hours in the Word, and there was a hunger and a thirst. And God said to me, Gary, I need your addiction. Gary, I want the pornography. Let me take this away from you. And I said, okay, God, yes, I'll do that. Next day I got up and I was still watching that channel. And it was that day that I realized for years, I thought I had control over the pornography. That morning I realized pornography had the control over me. And the reality was, is God, I can't fix this. My, my love for porn is greater than my love for you. That's when the chains had to come off. It scared me to death. It scared me to death because I thought what was happening in my living room privately was just between me and him. And he loves me. He's all about grace. I'm saved by it. <laughs> I live by it. I take advantage of it. And that's what I felt like I was doing. I was taking advantage of his grace.
3: Um, so, from the age 10 when I started until probably um, I guess up until 15 or so when I got saved and I accepted Jesus, I didn't see it as a problem. I knew that the culture shamed me for it, but in my heart I didn't I wasn't I wasn't feeling convicted. It was just something that I was hiding from my family. Um, I found Jesus and he called me higher. He called me despite the things that I was doing he called me worthy and he called me loved and um, he said that with him I can overcome this you know and I realized then that it was a problem and it wasn't for a couple years even after that that I got to a place that I was actually able to overcome it and feel strong enough to where I I feel like I can talk about it and I can address it and be there for others Um but it took several years for me to feel like it was a problem because without Jesus, I think the culture does accept it enough to where they don't see it as a problem, so we shouldn't either. But with Jesus, we realize that anything else that we're putting our efforts and our emotions into that isn't Him is a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just through Him, I was able to like overcome this and and realize that I... I mean, I don't have to feel ashamed because he calls me worthy and loved. Amen.
0: What would you say to the person in the pew right now who's struggling with porn? Gary? Oh,
2: I've got to tell you, the freedom that I have been able to experience, truly, as we were singing these songs a few minutes ago, the chains of bondage of pornography have been taken off. Um, There is freedom in this. Um, there is freedom in talking about this with your wife. I didn't feel a whole lot of freedom telling Joyce to my mother, that her son was dealing with pornography. But the freedom that there came in knowing that I have been set free from the bondage of that sin has been unbelievable. It has been—it's been freeing that. 600 pound or whatever pound, gorilla, that, I do feel like that has been taken off. God's grace was enough. And, and he gave me the desire to walk away from that. I, I said, God, I don't have the strength. He said, Gary, abide in me, John 10.10. 10. Even though Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy, abide in me, and I will give you the strength. And it has been worth it. It has been one of the greatest things in my spiritual life to experience the freedom that has come in his grace as he has taken the chains off of Gary Chedister. I didn't have the ability to do it. I thought I can control it, and I found out it was controlling me. David, as you spoke of here just a minute ago, in Psalms 143, said, God, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. That's what I want. That's what I want for all of us. We don't have to live in bondage anymore. I don't have to live. My marriage is better. Relationships are better. The world is better. God, God ain't dead. God ain't dead.
0: Amen.
3: Lauren? Um, so there's two things I want to say. The first one is that Jesus isn't ashamed of you. You may, be, you may be ashamed of yourself. You may feel like others are ashamed of you, but Jesus isn't ashamed of Praise you. God. Jesus is hurting for you.
2: Mm.
3: He knows that you're going through pain and emptiness and loneliness and whatever is causing you to, to look at porn and to want to use that to feel something but he's not ashamed of you. And he is asking you to bring it to him so that he can show you that you are worthy and that you are capable of being happy and not being attached to that, you know? Um, the second thing that I wanna say is that you're not alone. Um, again, with the stigma that women don't do this, but I'm right here and you're not alone. For me, The way that I was able to start to overcome this was through my best friend back home who sat me down and through the strength of Jesus Mm. told me that she has been struggling with the same thing that I had.
2: Praise God.
3: And then because of that, I told her the same thing. And so we've been working together for three years going through this and just working with Jesus Mm. to overcome this. Mm. Okay, And even if you have a friend that isn't going through the same thing that doesn't mean they can't still walk with you through it Amen. you're not Amen. alone you're not Amen.
0: Praise God. I just want to say thank you for being this transparent with a touchy subject but uh, before I end I, I just want to give you a couple minutes here is there anything you want to share to us that how Christ has set you free from it and he is your author and perfecter of your faith now but Maybe it could, you know, what are your safeguards? What are you doing now to keep from drifting backwards?
2: There have been times in my life in weak moments in which I will have a thought back that goes back to pornography and realize and appreciate how badly that hurts my relationship with Jesus. I never have appreciated a relationship more than I do today with my Lord and my master. And, and I have a responsibility in this relationship. And in this, I want to do everything that I need to do, not to do anything to affect that. And there are times whenever there are those billboards, there are those things on television, what have you, that I can feel myself going down that road. And my thought is, God, our relationship is more important than that. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, the satisfaction I've gotten out of pornography has been nothing compared to the satisfaction that I have gotten in my relationship with Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater than that relationship.
3: Um, Finding freedom from this is hard. I'm I'm not at that place yet. Um, And I think that's okay. You know, I think that this is going to be a temptation for the rest of my life, you know, but it's taking the step every day and putting on the armor of God and realizing that I don't have to go through it alone. I have accountability partners. I have Jesus who is with me in every moment of every day. Um, And it's just realizing that it's going to take a long time to forgive yourself, but Jesus has already forgiven you. Praise God. He's already won this battle, he has, and it's gonna be a while for for me to fully find that freedom, but it's one step at a time. And um, that's really encouraging and still a little scary, but um, taking taking the effort to work with him and, and work through him is so worth it. Because like he said, The satisfaction lasts for a little while, and then you're right back to that emptiness. But Jesus, we have it all the time, you know?
0: I know some of y'all have been trying to clap, and it's like, do I clap, do I not clap? I don't want to clap really for them. I want to clap for the Christ in them, all right? And what we know is this. It's in the room. These are just a couple simple conversations that took some boldness from God and literally just the faith and trust that, hey, a changed life can happen this morning. Hebrews 12.1, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let us throw off anything that hinders us, the sin that easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith. The question is, is he perfect of your faith? Amen. If he is, and you're trapped, and we just want to pray for you, don't let a second stop you from what needs to happen today. Because I promise you, the freedom that comes from confessing it and just allowing it just to, just to be rid of, I promise you, you'll feel a whole lot better when you walk out of here. Because now you've got your eyes fixed on Jesus, Praise God. and he changes things. It's often said this, and I've said it many times before. When Jesus enters the heart, he changes it. And the only thing he's really asking you to do is just follow him. And then you change. So Jesus, man, we just are praying now. We're asking for favor over this touchy subject called porn the, the awkward side of this is you created this beautiful imagery that we're supposed to look at women and say man she's beautiful or a man and say he, he's handsome but somehow the distortion of Satan twists things around and creates a sinful nature of our hearts and our minds and creates something we never thought that we'd ever be attracted to so God I'm just praying right now for those who are in trap that they feel the freedom through you and you alone. And for those who've been the ripple effect, the ones who, the marriages or the family members who feel like they're unworthy or they've been uh, affected simply because somebody in their family is looking at it, men let them know that they are beautiful. It's not their fault. It's Satan trying to come, steal, kill, and destroy. And God, we are just addressing this head on. We don't know really what to do with it. We're just asking you to be the center of our attention this morning so we can find you, abide in you, and literally trust you with all of our hearts, all of our souls, all of our minds because that is the only way out from any addiction, not just porn, from any addiction. But today, God, we're just addressing this and we're praying over the, the women who are trapped and enslaved in this trafficking but praying for them to to, just to hear your voice, to to feel your freedom and and to just know that there is a way out. And Lord, for the literally the 30,000 some my people right now that are viewing it, I just pray the internet shuts down. For the billions of dollars that are wasted that could feed
3: everybody in the world Today.